said, oh, Lord, Jesus is a fire. What are we talking about? If you understand liberty, you realize that we don't need them to tell us what to do or what we should do with our money. I don't sell crack. I'm a prostitute. Look at that baby. He's so cute. Oh, give me that. They did a great job. Wow. The bottom line is you can't fight reality. And the reality of the situation is people don't like to watch women play sports. I know that. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I'm the king sweetheart. I mean, it's strange to me too, but we talking about... You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself. I mean, how silly is that? And we're talking about... I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community. I am the majority. The majority of the people in this city are law-abiding, and they want their constitutional rights to be able to bear arms. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we talking about... All right. <laughs> Sean fights the internet. Let's go. Um, yeah, sweet. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, this is live stream 28. Just going to be a question and answer, some uh, talking, some bullshit. Um, just coming back from a summer break officially. <laughs> uh, found out this morning my Podbean account got, got uh, suspended. I wasn't checking my emails. I moved my credit cards around. So my bill paying credit card is the one where I funnel all my, all my money into. But my Funzy credit card, I emptied out in the last month. And uh, I guess my Funzy account credit card was the one that paid my Podbean bills. So, yeah. Sorry if I don't have a podcast for two days um, as it reloads or whatever. But yeah, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. This is live stream 28. I'm just going to be answering questions I've been getting in like my mail, like my, my pen pals and stuff and uh, my P.O. box and just kind of answering chat questions as you guys come in. Um, if you guys want to talk about anything or ask me questions or comment on what I'm talking about, feel free. Some of these are like thought out um, answers and some of them I wanted to just kind of ramble about and have impromptu thoughts about. Um, so it's going to be a little mix of some stuff. And then I want to close by talking about something cool. <laughs> Maybe read read a passage or something. Um, but yeah, welcome. Thank you, guys. Faith, loyalty, hope, as always. Keep it on the forefront of your mind, and life will be great. You'll see so many improvements in your life. Um, it's beyond explanation. It's beyond a man on a TV screen or a cell phone screen telling you. Um, it's real life. It's real helpful. Keep those three three things in the front of your mind and your life will be better. <laughs> your soul will, will find salvation and your physical life will be, will find bliss. Um, but yeah, uh, life updates. I'm in a new apartment. This, this thing, <laughs> same building, new apartment. I had leaking problems. They couldn't fix while I was living in my old one. So they moved me, which means I had to destroy my thing. Built like a giant wood wall, <laughs> hand built it during the Rona lockdowns. I needed like a building project. Most of it was just really to truly learn how to use saws, how to like learn how to sand wood and nail wood together and just like have a plan and execute it. And it all went flawlessly. <laughs> it was all awesome. And the end result was a nice, cool little background that also helped with sound. Um, the wood kind of cut down on the echo. And yeah, I had to destroy it because I couldn't carry it over. I couldn't fit it through my doorway and then carry it over to this new apartment and then fit it through this doorway as well. 
So I had to tear it down. So overall, it was a good, it was a good learning experience. <laughs> it was good to just like build something with my hands and learn how to use like man tools and stuff. Um, during lockdown, when everyone was freaking out and in their house watching Netflix shows and Tiger King, I was out like using saws and staining wood <laughs> and building things. Um, so just felt good. It was good overall in my life, um, even though I no longer have the thing. So I'm going to figure out a, a backdrop solution now instead of just my empty bare apartment. I got a lamp. I got a lamp here. I got a chair here, a lamp here. I built this table. This is a handmade table I built and painted black. So it's kind of cool. It didn't turn out as flush or as strong as I wanted it. Right here, you can see it. It's just jet black. Spray painted it. Cool little hipster lamp. And then I got my books. All my bookies here. My Bible. My Bible. Um, I need like an actual backdrop. So if you guys have some quirky suggestions besides just like a green screen, um, I have a green screen. I just haven't set it up and I don't know how to use it, that technology yet, but I want some kind of like actual backdrop. That's not boring. And just my apartment. So shoot me in the chat suggestions. Also shoot me questions, um, as I go here and yeah, burning tree. What's up, my dude. Thank you for tuning in. Um, shoot me questions, bro, if you have any or comments. Yeah, I have blogs that came out. I have more blogs coming up. You can find it at seanbplanet.blogspot.com. And all my links for everything is at linktree slash seanbplanet. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash seanbplanet. And yeah, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be reading a lot more coming up and talking about what I'm reading on streams. Really interesting, awesome books. I'm going to be blending them in with like pop culture topics and what's happening. So it's going to be pretty interesting uh, <laughs> for the next like few months on my live streams, which again, this is the first one back. It's going to be every Saturday morning from now on um, until my work schedule changes, which might not ever happen, at least for a while. Um, but yeah, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Central time. That's my new official weekly time. Um, I might do more on Tuesday as well. But those will be kind of like gaming streams, maybe, or um, kind of impromptu streams or replays. So, yeah, just make sure, set your calendar. <laughs> if you want to come ask, ask questions in the chat, talk shit in my chat room. Uh, <laughs> ask me questions or talk some shit. Get feisty with me in my chat room. Uh, 10 a.m. Saturday morning, Central Time from now on. And, yeah, going forward, I have some, some well-thought-out live streams. They're going to be pretty awesome. And, yeah, check out my blogs. Check out all my previous streams on BitChute, and I'm going to be putting audio of my live streams now on my podcast feed. So find all that stuff on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts when I update my account, <laughs> when I renew my payment account on that. Um, it should all be there. And coming up, too, for all my bears, all the Owen Benjamin fans out there who are familiar with him and his work and his streams, I'm going to be having a few bears coming on my streams live. I'm going to be doing live interviews on my live streams. So I have Coddington Bear coming up. I'm going to be interviewing him, talking to him. Um, again, tune into that one. It's on the 19th. Um, so two weeks from now, two Saturdays from now, the 19th, I got Coddington Bear coming on my live stream. Um, unless things change, we'll do it at a later date. But he's going to come on, answer some of my goofy, silly questions, talk about some stuff. Um, some interesting stuff that he and the bears have going on and then some interesting stuff that I, you know, just thoughts and stuff I have for him, questions I have for him. Um, 
And then any chat questions, too. We'll just answer some chat questions and talk to you guys. Um, so that'll be cool. And then also, I have a tentative date, too, for the next Saturday after that. I forget which day it is. What is it? Um, the 26th, maybe. I might actually be off on the 26th because I have a friend's wedding. But uh, the 26th or the 3rd of October, I'm going to have Anchor Bear on. So I'm also the same thing. I'm going to be chatting to Anchor Bear, legendary bear in the Owen Benjamin Bear community. Um, really good dude. I'm going to be talking to him, interviewing him about his art, his life, his works. And yeah, again, same thing. Just kind of talk about some stuff, ask, asking questions and be interactive in the chat. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in. John, what's happening, my dude? Thank you for tuning in. Burning Tree, my dudes. My dudes are here. <laughs> Sean and the boys are in town. Look out. Look out. Um, right on. Well, yeah, so again, this is just a bunch of a mix of questions from mail. People have sent me questions in mail. Um, my P.O. Box, it's P.O. Box 330172, Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Sean Corey, S-E-A-N-C-O-R-Y. So if you want to send me letters, I'll respond handwritten, or I can read them on stream if you like. If you want me to like read your letter on stream, I can do that in the future. Um, and just ask me questions, and I'll do these. It'll be compiled in a list of this. And this is also just questions from my social media accounts. People ask me or have asked me and stuff, and in my chat. So in the chat, I was asking people to send me questions the last few weeks. So, yeah, here we go. We're going. Um, first off, first, first question of the day. Uh, well, Burning Tree first says, buy a cardboard cutout. <laughs> no, I'm good. Like uh, Justin Bieber cutout right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your advice to young men who have degenerate friends that won't change their ways? Um, yeah, I struggle with this a lot. <laughs> a lot of my friends and family are that. They are lost, they're broken, they're degenerate, they're heathens, um, they're hedonists, they're pleasure seekers. Uh, the thing I've learned is the more you try to pull them into the light, the more you try to like drag them into righteousness, the further it pushes them away. Uh, it makes them resent you, it makes them hate you, it makes them even like envious of you or jealous of you. And people don't want to be controlled. Like they don't want to be forced into something. You have to lead them in the right direction. You know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's like a good analogy out there. Owen Benjamin might have a good analogy about like how to herd goats or something or how to like herd sheep into a pen, you know, how to like, you know, as a shepherd, how do you keep the sheep and the flock together and lead them in the right direction? I don't think you can just force and pull them into the right direction with you. Um, that was a mistake I made. I found the Lord two years, about two years ago, a uh, year and a half ago, I was truly saved. And I spent the first year just being very <laughs> adamantly excited about pulling people into the light that I now found and had inside of me and just kind of being like, guys, this is awesome. This is amazing. I saved my soul. Let me save yours too. And uh, people just push away. They don't want it. They don't want that. They don't want to be forced into the light. So I found that really, and it's kind of like a good analogy to use is really, you just need to be the lighthouse, just be the light be a good example, set a good example, do righteous things at all times, speak the truth, be the truth, live the truth, and just be the lighthouse, be there, be a foundation there set in stone, constantly projecting the light out into the dark world. And all of those lost at sea, all of those in the darkness of the dark sea out there, living in evil, living in degeneracy, and just in their sins, neck deep in their sins, you will just be there ready for them. 
ready and willing to accept them when they choose to come towards your light. When they choose to come into your harbor, you are there to welcome them. You're there to show them the right direction and you're there with open welcome, warm arms and compassion when they do want to seek out your harbor. Um, but I don't think you can like go out and drag their boats in. in. <laughs> if they're lost at sea, I don't think you can go drag their boats in with you. I think you just have to be there ready for it, ready, willing, willing and waiting for them to choose to come to you. And they will. If you're the light, if you're having, if you're just being a good example, if you're being a good person in society, um, if you are being a, a true lighthouse, a true just symbol of God's love and God's truth, uh, eventually when people are done suffering, they will seek you out. They will know that you are happy, healthy, and thriving, and they'll want to do the same, and they'll come seek you out. Um, so it's tough. It's tough, especially when it's like friends and family just watching them suffer, watching them destroy themselves with anger and emotion and fear. Um, it's tough just letting that happen and watching that happen because we do have an urge to want to spread that light to them, that love to them. But sometimes you just need to let them suffer and then just re be there ready and waiting for them when they choose to overcome it. Um, so yeah, that's my best advice for young men. <laughs> my long-winded advice for uh, young men who have degenerate friends that won't change their ways. Um, John says, usually it's best to move on if your example doesn't sway them. Yeah, sometimes you just have to cut ties. I mean, I had people in my life, longtime friends, um, who didn't like when I turned my life around. When I stopped smoking weed and I stopped drinking and I stopped being a degenerate piece of shit myself, um, all my friends were like, hey, like, we're degenerate pieces of shit. Like, you're not doing what we do anymore. <laughs> like, we used to all, like, hang out and smoke weed and play disc golf and, like, what, you just want to, like, be productive? <laughs> you want to, like, eat healthy food and, like, do productive things? Like, what, dude? I thought we, like, we just smoke weed and do nothing. Um, we don't like you anymore. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to move on. You just got to say, man, I'm sorry. I'll be there. I'll be here ready, ready and willing if you ever change your ways. But I'm not going to continue doing that stuff um, that I have overcome myself. <laughs> just to please you, just to make you happy, just to appease you or whatever. Um, yeah. Toothbrush. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but Ryad Ryad YT says toothbrush in the chat. So thank you, I think. I don't. <laughs> I think. Thank you. Um, yeah. I love how D-Live changed a lot. Oh, yeah. I moved on from my old ways. Well, friends. Yeah, sometimes you just have to. Hey, we're degenerates. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, so the first question I got from the chat a while ago is, am I traveling soon? And specifically, am I traveling to Georgia? And I actually just recently traveled to Georgia last month in July, right after 4th of July. Some friends and I went on a retreat in a cabin in the hills of North Georgia, and it was amazing. It was awesome. Like my friends, just spending time with friends, playing games. It was just full of laughter and full of love. Um, we had like little worship nights and little sermons we were listening to, having just like biblical conversations and just loving each other. I mean, just being in a cabin in the in the woods, with just beautiful scenery around us, nature around us, beautiful little mountaintop community, um, great weather. I mean, it would rain a little bit, but you know, whatever. You're in a cabin if it needs if it rains. For the most part, it was good weather, and it was just amazing just being around just being loving and truthful with each other. It was awesome. 
Logos was there. <laughs> Logos and love was in that cabin for uh, three days. It was amazing. But so after that, no, I'm not traveling for a while. Um, I'm going to be traveling in-state places in Tennessee. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm going to Thanksgiving with friends in Cookville. And then I think over New Year's, I'm going to be traveling down to see my family in Florida. Uh, I have an aunt, uncle, and cousin down there. And I haven't seen them in a long time because they're in Florida. <laughs> and I don't just, like, go to Florida a lot in my life. I have not. And I don't really go often or will have any reason to go often. But, um, yeah, I'm going to Florida, I think, over, um, like, but for New Year's. And then after that, I probably am not going anywhere again, unless it's like a retreat or like a daycation kind of thing. Uh, I'm not really a traveling guy. I don't really have a reason to travel. I'm here building my life, building foundations here and uh, crushing in Nashville. So I don't have time to just travel around and have fun these days. But um, eventually I'm going to make it back to California and visit family up there um, in L.A. and San Diego. So eventually I'll be making a return to California. Um, we'll see if the ship has truly sank by then or not, you know? And, uh, yeah, someone else asked me about Dan. I keep hearing about this guy, Dave Ramsey. Everyone keeps asking me, like, Hey, what do you think about Dave Ramsey? Or like, have you, have you heard this guy? And, um, I was at a church that I guess he helped fundraise for or something. So everyone was freaking out about how awesome he is. I'd never even heard of this guy before. I don't know. I just kept hearing that name, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. So I look him up and I guess he's like a, a Christian man who's like a financial advisor. And it just kind of strikes me as weird. Like a guy that's obsessed with money and investing and physical material things like physical wealth, <laughs> financial gain, financial benefit. Um, anyone who's talking about investments in stocks uh, strikes me as weird that you are also a Christian. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, though. I don't know him. I don't really know him. But I looked up a few videos and he just seemed very angry. He seemed very like angry and judgmental, um, resentful of like stupid people or idiot, lazy people. Um, didn't seem very Christ-like. I mean, watching, I watched two videos. Again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't really know him. I've never met him. I don't actually like follow him or really know what he's about. But in about 20 total minutes, like two, two eight or nine minute video clips, um, I just literally came away thinking like, man, this guy is angry, judgmental. <laughs> he resents people, you know, and I just, I couldn't imagine him actually being, um, you know, a disciple of Christ, a true follower and believer of Christ. Someone like that needs to learn how to forgive people and have compassion for people and not be obsessed with material pleasures, but obsessed with seeking and finding salvation and then also bringing others into salvation with you. Um, not working hard, investing in land <laughs> and stocks and 401ks and stuff. I don't know. It just strikes me as weird. But again, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know him. If you guys have videos out there that can prove me wrong on that, send me some stuff. But yeah, he just doesn't seem very like Christian, even though that's how he's branded as like a Christian financial advisor. So yeah, if you can prove me wrong, send it to me. P.O. Box 330-172, Nashville, Tennessee, 37203. My name is Sean Corey. Prove me wrong in the letter or send me some links to my social media accounts. Prove me wrong. But, yeah, Dave Ramsey doesn't seem like a guy I would enjoy hanging out with, <laughs> like having a fun chat with on a, on a weekend. I don't know.
Um, my friend in real life asked me, um, can I rip an ap apple in half? <laughs> like, can I physically with two hands, with, with my bare hands, rip an apple in half? And I doubt it. I don't know if there's some trick, like a twist and yank or something, like some kind of like strategy, like it'd be like make a little slice in the top and then that makes it able to rip it. I don't know. I'm pretty strong. <laughs> I am pretty like actually strong. I'm not just bragging or saying that. Um, I'm always able to like lift heavy things. Um, good core strength, good upper body strength. I got the whatever these are called, the neck muscle things. <laughs> I think that helps me, but I don't know if it helps me rip an apple in half. I don't know if I can actually do that, you know? So I'm going to put question mark on that. I don't know how to answer that, but I don't know how to act. I don't know if I can rip an apple in half, maybe. And someone asked me about my garden progress and life garden. <laughs> the garden God has given me is definitely under under serious progress right now. I'm getting out of debt. I'm organizing my life. I'm about to go to trade school, um, developing skills. I can build stuff now. I know how to woodwork. I know how to, <laughs> I'm like learning, I'm like teaching myself carpentry and how to build fences. And I'm going to learn, teach myself how to like mill wood. Um, so my, my three major goals is to, or four major goals is to learn how to like mill wood, like cut down trees and make wood planks out of it for building stuff actually learn how to build stuff, like be a carpenter and have carpentry skills, um, building skills. And then I also want to learn how to weld. So I want to learn how to like take metal and weld it together and make stuff. <laughs> and then the fourth is what I'm actually planning on doing as a career path going forward, which is plumbing skills, learning how to like pipe fit and uh, move water around. <laughs> and I think those four skills together will teach me to, you know, acquire skills that will help me make money along the way in my life which is fine that's great i'm not again i'm not dave ramsey i'm not trying to like make a bunch of money and be rich and financial what truly is the money goal is just to use that in order to acquire true wealth which true wealth is food family friends and water <laughs> life happiness you know the pursuit of happiness in life um, I truly think that all of your money should be invested into your family first and to have a family you need food and water and I think anything extra should be left over to just fund your community and friendship endeavors, um, your church or your organizations, your free time activities, but that's true wealth. I think everyone obsesses about money and material possessions. Truly all you need is you, your family first and foremost, and then in order to have that you need I mean, I guess you need shelter as well, but you do need just food and water. And after that, it's just whatever left over. Um, you should either be donating, giving away, or investing in your community and in your friends. So all of my money is going to be going to that in the future. But, yeah, those four skills I mentioned before, <laughs> before I got into that little tangent, um, just like making wood, use it, building stuff, using the, the skill of making wood and using wood and, and to build furniture and build things in the house, um, fix things in a house and on a farm because the long-term goal is to have a homestead and a big family. So yeah, milling wood, building shit, <laughs> uh, welding shit together, <laughs> connecting shit together with, with uh, some welding skills and then plumbing, how to move water around, how to get water to your house and how to get it away from your house as well. Um, how, to far, how to water your crops. I think those are going to be useful skills to make money, which will invest in actual wealth and actual skills that will help me build a homestead and a farm and 
actually maintain my wealth, my true wealth as I go. So, but my actual garden progress is bad. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but bugs just destroyed whatever I was building. My apartment complex has four little raised beds and they just let people just kind of like, kind of anarchy, just kind of like put your own plants in there. And so I made, a, I got one of them was left empty. So I just kind of like tilled it out, like kind of just with like a, like a little hand shovel. I just kind of like moved the dirt around. <laughs> sifted and moved the dirt around and then i planted some i planted uh cucumbers uh tomatoes and uh kale and none of them have really worked i think the kale you can eat i'm not really a kale guy though i just was doing it more as an experiment i think the kale i could like we literally rip it off and eat right now um i'm not sure but the tomatoes and the cucumbers are definitely not right they're like are already like rotten and weird deformed looking and uh eaten by bugs so there's no real protection it's just like in the middle of my apartment complex there's like a kind of park in front of my apartment complex just like an open field with trees and then there's just these things so there's no fence around it keeping animals out there's no actual like netting or caging or anything that's preventing bugs from eating it so it was a good learning experience i learned that i just did things wrong <laughs> So next year, I'm going to learn how to actually, I'm going to make a mini greenhouse in front of my apartment complex, a little like miniature enclosed greenhouse and learn how to actually, um, I think it's called germinate, how to actually take a seed and kind of start the growing process early in the winter in a greenhouse. So I'm learning how to actually do that and build that. So I'm really prepping for next year. And then when I actually do that and I actually start my plants there in this little greenhouse I'm going to build, uh, I'm going to try to take those plants and then make my own raised beds in front of my apartment complex. Because again, I moved apartments and now I'm actually in an apartment that has a south facing front. So I actually have sunshine coming and I actually have like a little, um, little mini grass area in front of my apartment. So I'm actually going to build my own raised beds. I'm going to build like miniature uh, fencing around these raised beds to just to keep like rabbits and squirrels and stuff out. And uh, I'm going to build my own little greenhouse on my porch and have that going and just learning how to germinate. I think that's the right terminology. <laughs> germinate the seeds, initially grow the seeds, like sprout the seeds, and then move those to my raised bed um, instead of just kind of like in the front of my whole apartment complex, just in this giant open field with not really good sunlight. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's a good experiment, but the garden itself didn't go great. Um, it was a good learning process again, kind of like the thing. <laughs> the learning process was great. I have the skills. Uh, trial and error is happening. But the overall success was kind of a failure because I don't actually have fruits or vegetables that I can like eat. The fruits of my labor didn't actually pay off, but they will eventually. And yeah, more serious questions. Um, my election thoughts. Um, yeah. Election thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not really going to talk about the election for the next few months. I think it's all insane and nonsense. Um, I think our society has degenerated to the point where we have a senile, delusional old man, creepy old man, likely pedophile running for president under the party that is anti the other guy. It's pretty much their whole policy platform is we're not we're not the guy that's in charge right now. Vote for us. And they decided to put up an insane black woman as vice president. And 
a literal creep, creepy old man who's been in politics for 50 years and hasn't done shit up to run against someone who is also just a creepy old man, an untrustworthy businessman in power. Um, it's all just a mess. It's all a mess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a mess. Um, I think just we've devolved so much morally. We have decayed in our morality so much that we just have uh, we have an, a large, intrusive, coercive government that has to control its people because we can't control ourselves. We're not at the point where we can trust each other and work together civilly, <laughs> like in a civilized manner. And so we have a government that's trying to force human interaction and trying to force the, the, the pigs to be penned, to be caged. Um, they aren't doing it. They aren't doing them on, on their own. They aren't doing it on their own. So we've devolved to a state of rulers having to control every aspect of our life. And therefore the elections are becoming more and more and more important every year because it really matters now, apparently who is in control of our lives. Uh, the reality is that no one will be in control of our lives actually <laughs> it'll just be titles alone and just like recommendations no actual control over our lives um, and our souls if we are just moral people who respect each other and let each other be and <laughs> leave each other alone um i don't really know how to convey my all of my thoughts concisely into one answered question but overall election i see the democrats becoming a party that's really good at pointing out problems like, I do think the Democrats have a tendency to, in their anger and their rage, <laughs> in their godlessness and their removal from God, they're living in this material world. They're very earthly. They're very, like, materialist and anger, angry and fearful. And with that state of mind, they're actually really good at pointing out problems. Like, they can really point out where, where the problems are. I'll give them that. They are very good at pointing their finger at the problems of the world. The Republicans, on the other hand, are almost in denial that there are even problems. But the Republicans are closer to God, and so they have like more sight over what needs to be done. They have like, the more they're closer to the truth and love of God, so they have more understanding of real solutions and like actual like actual. I mean, that's just the word actual solutions to problems. They just become in denial of problems. I mean, Donald, they're like in denial that Donald Trump is clearly owned and operated by bankers and by potential like mafioso and how he just listens to Israel. You know, it's like clearly he either has blackmail on him or he's being bought and paid out by extremely rich people, the banking class, the ruling class. Um, so, yeah, they're like, look at Donald Trump and he is solving problems. I mean, when riots are happening, he is like sending people out to stop the riots, you know. When Corona, when this hoax virus thing comes out, he's not buying into it. He's not playing into it. But he also, at the end of the day, is owned and operated and controlled by bankers. And Republicans are just in denial of that. And yeah, I mean, I just think that's how it goes. Like Republicans are just really good at, they're good at solutions. When they finally realize that there is a problem and there needs to be a solution, they're very good at finding a common ground and I'm talking earthly, guys. I'm talking earthly, not spiritual right now. But in the earthly, physical sense, in the governmental sense, in the human interaction sense, the Republicans are good at finding common ground 
realistic solutions to problems. And the Democrats are really good at pointing out what the problems are. The problem is that the Democrats want to <laughs> impose their solutions to the problems they point out with force, with brute force. And their solutions are so distant from God and so like blind to reality. And they just constantly fail. I mean, time and time and time again, whenever Democrats, liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call it, leftists, whenever they try to impose their solutions, it's just nothing but failure. It adds more chaos and more destruction. And they're in denial that that's even happening. Um, so they're very good at pointing out the problems. They're horrible at actually solving them. I think you can just see that by looking up crime rates in any major city run by Democrats. <laughs> like just look up a city that's run by Democrats, Democratic mayor, Democratic city council, and they're just full of crime, full of drugs. Their economy is just tanking. I mean, usually those cities, like a city like Chicago, is just tanking economically. But what it's really held up by is the rest of the state. <laughs> They just pull all the wealth and resources from the rest of the state into their their thing. You know, they're covering their losses um, in that way. Um, I mean, I can just keep rambling nonsensically about this. But, yeah, overall, the flip side of that is Republicans just kind of deny that there's even problems at all. They just kind of consistently think, like, life's good. Life's great. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. Just leave, leave everything be. Leave everything alone. And um, that kind of results in stagnation sometimes and a lack of actual true progress that needs to be made for human interactions. The overall result is they're both wrong because they are both distant from God. They are both distant, even though Republicans, I think, are closer. They're both distant from the truth and love of God. So all of their thinking is very material. All of their thinking is very earthly. It's very, they're all materialists. They're all worried about what how to control people and what what is what what is the solution to making life on earth better and not actually what's the solution to finding god and knowing that that is actually the problem is that we're distant from god and the solution to that is um not more government and control and free stuff you know the solution is seeking salvation the seeking the solution is finding and seeking the salvation of god and being led in the right way by by default um, instead of continually trying to make utopia on earth with material egotistical thoughts and plans. Um, but yeah. And then also, yeah, libertarian party is just a mess. <laughs> the third party result is the libertarian party and it's just a mess. They have a woman running for president, which is just not going to work by default. Um, women aren't made to lead and that's proven time and time and time again to be true. No matter what you feel about it. Women aren't naturally made to lead men. Um, women can lead women. They can't really truly lead men. So it's just stupid, as a matter of fact, to put this woman up. But she's just been doing nothing but like race baiting and apologizing and appeasing and conceding ground. And yeah, just failure. Libertarian Party needs strength. Libertarian Party needs God. I think they are on the right path of just seeking freedom, letting people have freedom to choose the light or choose the dark to save their souls or destroy their souls. Like we do need that freedom. I think as Christians, we need to be advocating for freedom with laws as much as possible because we need the freedom to choose porn or reject porn. We need the freedom to just in general, like be a drug addict or choose not to be a drug addict. We need that freedom to make the choices to sin or not sin, to seek salvation or avoid salvation. And the problem with the Libertarian Party is that it usually ends up going 
<laughs> in the direction of just sin, porn, drugs, sex, degeneracy, degeneracy, heathenism, heathenism. So they're kind of right in a material sense about what the right legal like solution should be, I think, for the most part. Obviously, that's not 100%. I'm not retarded. But libertarians are pretty much right on the physical sense about things. The problem is they're also so distant from God that their solutions to problems aren't going to work. They just aren't going to work. They're, there's no God in their platform, so there's no actual truth. There's no actual love in their platform. It's just give me freedom to go be degenerate. That's kind of what the Libertarian Party is right now, and that's why it's failing. That's why it's failing and it won't work. Uh, yeah, it's enough politics. Well, we'll this is, I guess the next two questions are kind of political, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Post-Jazz, what's going on, my bro? John says, Libertarians lack foresight and pragmatism. Yeah, absolutely. Libertarians are really smart. That's the problem is they're very, like, physically, mentally smart. I really respect their brains. And they're very good at pointing out problems, too. They're one of those people that's really good at pointing out problems. And they do have good solutions, I think, in the material sense, in the let's make utopia here on Earth sense. They have probably the best of all the political choices in our country. They probably have the best um, route to making utopia you know, happen. But the problem is they're just so immoral. They're so degenerate that what's your solution? Freedom? You want freedom? You want to give people just freedom to make their own choices? Okay, great. Like, I, I'm on board. I agree. But you're not advocating for morality at all. You're not advocating for people to be decent and civilized and respect each other. Like, you're at, you're, you want people, you just assume that giving people freedom will solve your problems without understanding that when you give immoral people freedom, that just makes bloodshed happen. <laughs> it just makes chaos happen. Oh, let's, let's free the people, but let's also just not trust each other and not respect each other's authority and like not respect each other's property rights or have contracts or be loyal to each other, keep each other's words, keep each other in check with oaths and promises. Like you can't just give people freedom with, that don't have morality. It doesn't work. It just results in literal warlords fighting for power and vying for power. It's the one thing libertarians don't understand. They're just like, freedom! And then everything is <laughs> everything's solved after that. Uh, that's why I've been harping on this. Like All these libertarian boys need to realize that first you need to become moral. You need to become good people, trustworthy people, and then get the freedom. And also, if you just become moral people, if your population is just sound and moral and trustworthy, and you respect each other as human beings and respect each other's individual rights, um, freedom just comes naturally. You don't have to force it to happen. Like <laughs> people just start to like build their things and like build their communities and their families together and become good people that trade with each other mutually and part you know under voluntary participation. It just happens naturally. You don't have to like take over the government and force freedom to happen. Um, in fact, I think that's probably the worst way to uh, achieve your utopias that you want here on Earth, libertarians. I think the re reality is that libertarians should be advocating for morality. And that doesn't necessarily mean God, even though truly that is the true solution. But the closer you can get to our creator's truth, the closer you can get to God's logos and God's love, the closer you're going to be to the true solutions you're seeking. Um, the problem is they're in denial of that. They think that their egos, they think that their brains and their physical bodies will solve their problems, and they won't. Um, but yeah, the closer you can get to the truth and love of our God, the better your life is going to be here on earth. Um, 
in, in general. <laughs> so yeah, libertarians, think about the fact that you need morality in order to be free. Um, really think about that. Because if you just free people that aren't moral, that aren't trustworthy, that don't hold true to their oaths and their contracts, you free the people and then they're coming for your land, bro. <laughs> you and your you and a few people can have a bunch of guns, but if they have more people and more guns, you no longer have land and or your life. So uh, yeah, reconsider just this whole, let's push for freedom without any real true solution as to how we're gonna get people to behave accordingly. <laughs> And not just survival of the fittest or rule of the jungle might makes right mentality, you know. You have to really push for a strong moral population before you can truly advocate and push for and liberate and free the people. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I know I, I rant about that a lot, so I'll, I'll move on. Um, yeah, John says moral discipline is freedom, and that's true. It's so true when you understand it. Like, we the problem is everyone's just so porned out and drugged out and sexed out that they just are so in denial of reality. Um, they let their passions and their ego lead them and it just destroys them time and time again. So yeah, again, I, I keep saying I'm gonna stop ranting then I keep ranting. Um, but yeah, someone wanted to know what my thoughts are on abortion. And again, that's a whole, that's a whole stream topic uh, to dive into. And I probably will get to that one day but I, in summary, like abortion, it's murder. I mean, it just, matter of fact, it is murder. There's a human baby inside of a human being, and that human being is deciding to murder that human baby inside of them. You can argue the logistics of it, the legality of it, all you want. The reality at the end of the day is you're murdering a living human life. And I find that to be repulsive and reprehensible, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Legally or whatever you want to make, whatever kind of materialist argument you want to make for it, you can. The reality at the end of the day is it's murder and it's wrong, and you know it's wrong um, deep down, whether you want to admit it or not. But also, ultimately, abortion is caused by weak men. Weak men, spiritually distant men, are responsible for abortions happening, both for you know causing the conception and the act of the sex in the first place. <laughs> like there would be no baby if there was no man having sex with the woman. Um, and also, you know, men are responsible because they give up the power to prevent it from occurring legally and physically. We become so weak and degenerate that we're more worried about keeping our stuff and uh, continuing to get sex <laughs> that we're willing to let women go out and murder their babies. Um, instead of just being responsible men, being strong, bold, confident, righteous men who only have sex with women they intend to have babies with in the first place, but also just being physically weak enough and cucked enough where we just let our women go off into giant buildings where there's doctors ready to murder their babies for them. Um, the fact that all that is happening is all our responsibility, guys. You can continue ranting and screaming and crying about how women are evil and horrible and it's all these women's fault and blah, blah, blah. Feminists, feminazis. No, it's like at the end of the day, it's our fucking fault. We need to admit that it's our fault. It's our fault for having the sex in the first place without a wedlock or just having sex in wedlock with women we're not ready to have children with yet. Um, it's our fault for doing that in the first place. It's also our fault for letting it happen, for letting it get to the place in the state we're in right now where it's legal to do that and where there's giant buildings and clinics where it's like welcome in let's kill your baby <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, we are physically weak. We're spiritually broken and we have become slaves to our flesh pleasures. And we are now in a world where we just accept and turn a blind eye to literally murdering our, murdering our own babies out of fear of losing our safety and losing our stuff. So again, at the end of the day, guys, cry all you want about how women are horrible and mean and yucky and evil, but that is all a result of us being weak and abandoning our love and truth of God. Um, yeah. Yeah, John says abortion is evil. Enough said. True. <laughs> In summary, uh, abortion is evil, and it is the men's fault. True. Yeah. Yeah, John coming in hot tonight with the uh, or today tonight. John coming in hot this morning with with the with the straight and narrow truths. I love it. Um, males forsaking responsibility and accountability is the cause of most of society's ills. I know I couldn't agree more. I used to be that guy. Oh, these stupid women! It's all the women's fault. Women, women, women. It's all the women. It's all the liberals' fault. It's all the Republicans' fault. It's all their fault. Their fault. Their fault. Their fault. Their fault. Their fault. When you realize it's your fault, <laughs> when you realize that you're the weak man that's contributing to all the problems, and then you start to see, hey, people like me too, that I used to like and respect because they agreed with me that women sucked and were evil, <laughs> or the Jews were in control or whatever, or the Rothschilds and the, the, the Rockefellers are destroying this country. You used to like and respect those people for pointing out those problems. When you realize it's really all truly your fault, and then when you realize it's truly all their fault as well, <laughs> when you realize that your weakness and your spiritual brokenness is causing these problems, and then you start to see on the bigger picture in society that that's what's happening, it all makes sense. But you won't know. You won't, if you're poured out and drugged out, you won't be able to see the truth and the reality in front of you. But yeah, again, John, I can, could not agree more. Males forsaking responsibility and accountability is the cause of most of society's ills. And I would probably actually say all society's ills. Men are supposed to lead and we're not leading because we're, we're addicted to our penis pleasures. And which leads me to this next question, is sexual liberation political control? Um, and so, yeah, again, uh, godless men have caused severe societal harm and damn near civilization collapse. and as a result, our women are just suffering immensely. <laughs> our civilization is is collapsing because we have abandoned we have abandoned our our jobs and our roles as strong men who are supposed to provide for and protect our women. Um, we have sexually liberated each other, and it has caused us to basically become transactional with our sex instead of intentional and meaningful with our sex. And men, you know, just want to get their dicks wet <laughs> with the least amount of effort and the least amount of sacrifice on their own part. And so it just makes sense that the women have learned to become sex dealers. Like at the end of the day, they become sex dealers to protect themselves and to thrive in our disorderly and dangerous environment. Um, you know. Makes sense, right? When you, start, when you stop and think about it, the sex addicts, the men, the sex addicts are hooked on the supply of or from the sex dealers. I don't know how much more sense that can make. Um, it's just simple supply and demand, right? <laughs> the, uh, the dealers themselves, the sex dealers deserve condemnation, um, but the true solution to the sex 
problem itself is the behavior of the addicts. You have to solve the problem. You can't just keep complaining about the problem. You can't keep locking up and shaming the dealers who are just supplying the demand of the addicts. You have to stop the addiction itself to truly solve the problem. And yeah, I mean, men are enslaved by their pleasures. It makes us easily controllable, uh, makes us docile, distracted, poor, weak, and the ruling class thrives on it. They have been and they will continue to thrive on it until we get our morality in check. And be bold and confident in seeking righteousness. Righteous masculinity is what we should strive for, my dudes. Um, yeah, I mean, the ruling class controls us financially and they control us like just human livestock um, because it's easy to control us if we're addicted to our pleasures. All they have to do is dangle pleasures in front of our faces, you know. And yeah, someone asked, is there is being exposed to evil necessary for understanding it? And that's a deep question. I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah, I think it's necessary, but also that's kind of the point is there needs to be evil for us to reject it. Like God gives us freedom to destroy ourselves. He gives us the freedom to choose sin in order to also give us the choice to choose not to sin, to choose to overcome it. Um, again, it's something I might do a whole extra stream about. I've ranted about it on streams before, but um, yeah, that's a whole thing wrapped up in a little summary, but is being exposed to evil necessary for understanding it? I think yes. Um, I think it's very complex, but I do think it's necessary. That's why God lets Satan interact. I mean, read the book of Job, right? That's kind of a good, good place to just understand this whole concept is the book of Job. Um, God lets Satan destroy us. He lets Satan corrupt this world. And that is to show that we are truly choosing God. We are truly on the right path, seeking God in his right ways, not just falling in line because we have to. Um, yeah, CIA, the biggest dealer. CIA is the biggest dealer of all the degenerates. It's like the job of the CIA is just to corrupt and destroy young men. That's pretty much all it does. Um, what does biblical and God-driven dating look like and what are proper roles? Yeah, so... <laughs> what does biblical and God-driven dating look like and what are proper roles? I think absolutely no sex before, before marriage. Um, once you've had sex, the woman just controls you. You are now addicted to the pleasure she gives. You're not actually there for her. You're not, the intention of your relationship is no longer to build a family together and be a partnership in building a family and making a community, making your own church together. You have just now become a transactional relationship. <laughs> man makes woman happy and women provides man with flesh pleasures. And that's just like a transactional relationship that's not going to work in the long term. It can work for a while. You can pretend it works all you want, but it's not going to actually work. It's not actually going to be healthy. You're both not actually going to be fulfilled and be doing meaningful things in your lives together. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so right now, too, currently I have been friends with a girl who I think God has put in my life for a reason. Um, and just we're taking it slow. We're friends. We hang out a lot. It's just friends, friends, having real deep talks, real meaningful conversations with each other, 
really understanding what our goals in life are and what our intentions are in life and making sure that we would be compatible with each other. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to start dating here officially being like exclusive dating boyfriend and girlfriend, which will just continue like that. It'll just continue being dates and hanging out time spent together, having meaningful conversations, doing things together, being productive together. And that needs to continue until you are sure that that person is one, a person that you will be willing to marry and, you know, live and strive for family together forever, not just here on this earth, but in eternity. Is this the person that you're really truly meant to spend eternity with? Yes or no. And at that point, I think you get engaged. And I think when you're engaged, you're making a promise and you're intentional about starting want, starting to want to make a family. But I think that whole period after that needs to be getting your lives in order, getting both of your personal lives in order together, um, mentally, physically, financially, and spiritually, and preparing to be joined together. So separately, you still need to be separate. Absolutely no sex, absolutely no pleasure. Um, truly still just make sure that you're the right people to be together. Start planning a wedding, start planning this, start planning that. And then you need to be planning, you know, eventually when you get married, your actual marriage day, then you become one, then the flesh becomes flesh and you can start having all the sex you want, doing all the sex stuff you want, go have at it, man, <laughs> get your dick wet all you want. Um, because that, at that point, you guys are going to be ready to have a family. You're going to truly know that you're meant for each other here and now and in the forever. You're truly going to be compatible with each other. You're truly going to know that you're on the same page in terms of your long-term goals, your short-term goals, and you'll also have your lives in order and you'll be ready to have babies if they come, not abort your babies or not be on birth control, preventing babies from happening. I think when you're married, the night you're married, you should be, you should together be joining yourselves in a union specifically for yourselves. And that also means too, that you're getting married with the intention of we are now capable and ready and willing to have babies and start an actual family together. I think if it's just about sex, if <laughs> you guys are just trying to have sex, you're not right for each other. You guys both aren't mature enough physically and emotionally for each other or for a relationship and it shouldn't be happening. And if you're just getting married to do that, um, it's gonna fail. And if you're having sex before marriage, it's gonna fail as well. Proper roles, um, I mean, it's laid out biblically very clear. People just have been diluted by our culture and by our emotions and by our flesh pleasures to justify and excuse um, the proper roles of marriage and family. But the proper role, of course, I mean, it's in the Bible. It's irrefutable. It's We're told many times is there's an order. There's a structure order. It's happy. It's healthy. It's time tested. And it's spiritually fulfilling and spiritually correct which is God and God up top, God first, over Christ, the Son, God, Christ, and then man who looks up to God, respects and, and appreciates God as his alpha. He's the, he's the number two to, to Christ, who's the number two to God, and the woman falls in after, and the children fall in after that. So it's God over Christ, Christ over man, man over woman, women over children. In our culture, it's become maybe God, maybe not. <laughs> and then maybe Christ, and then maybe not. And then men and women are supposed to be exactly equal. No, if anything, the woman is supposed to be above the man. 
but nothing. The man is never to be over the woman. It's supposed to be equal in the household, and then the children are below. And we wonder why we have so many societal problems, you know? <laughs> why is civilization collapsing? It's like, well, we kind of broke the order, the time-tested order that God spells out of how to have families and raise our children and become good people in a civilized society together. We've abandoned those roles, and so we've abandoned morality and <laughs> being good, righteous people. And yeah, the end result is chaos and destruction and despair and anger and fear. I mean, you name it. What's, ha what's the bad thing happening in society, society today? I guarantee it's because that spiritual order has been broken somewhere along the line in your family and in your community. But again, the proper roles for, for dating and biblical relationships is God first, then Christ, the teachings of Christ, the life of Christ, the salvation of Christ, below God as the Son, and then the man. The man needs to be looking up to Christ and Christ alone in his life. And by default, the woman is below the man, looking up to the man for leadership and guidance and protection, knowing that if the man is truly a man of God, the man is truly looking up to Christ for spiritual salvation and guidance, the woman will have no problem being quote-unquote submissive or beneath the man, because he know, she will know that the man is out to do what's righteous and what's best. And the woman then can, can have the children be under her and lead and protect and provide and guide them. The children then know that the mom is looking up to the man, who's looking up to Christ, who's looking up to God. That order needs to happen for there to be a happy, healthy, thriving family. And that's the point of marriage, is to, when you find someone you think you're compatible with, you need to work it out slowly over time without sex, without your relationship being based on transactions and your relationship being based on flesh pleasures and feelings and emotion. You guys need to slowly work out and understand and fall into line in that order, that spiritual ladder, and then get married and you two can have children. And then your wife will raise, nurture, create, make the children. Um, I don't know. It's in the Bible, guys. It's time-tested on earth, and it's it's directly told to us in the Bible. Um, it works. It works time and time again, and when we break away from that, it um, fails miserably. Our cities become on fire. <laughs> Virus, viruses sweep across the sweep across the land. Plagues happen. Wars happen. Like all the bad things in life happen. Um, and yeah, I wanted to get this. But, Get the Bible out, because I didn't, I didn't actually look this one up. But someone asked me, what's the line between legalism and James 2, chapter 2, verse 14 through 24? So we're going to read this. We're going to read James today. I uh, have a new Bible. It's awesome. It's the um, Orthodox Study Bible, which is the King James Version. I've never been into King James, but I am now. I'm really liking it. King James and James. Where is James? This is the fun part of the uh, stream. Rashawn looks up James. Rashawn looks up the Bible. All right, here we go. 1673. All right. Let's see, let's learn about James, guys, and legalism. All right, so the question is, the line between legalism and James 2, 14 through 24, what are your thoughts? 
So apparently it's the law of love is the name of the chapter. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I realize now, too, I'm just reading all of James. So we're going to read all of James right now. That's deep. That's deep right there. Think about your church. <laughs> Next time you're at church and you're having disputes with uh, the order of your church, read that passage. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have, but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you are really fulfilled, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. For, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah, that's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Yeah. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Yes. Bam. <laughs> Bible coming in hot. <laughs> Always coming in hot. Yeah, I don't really know exactly what the line between legalism and James is, but um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that scripture. Faith and works, not one or the other. I guess I'll just leave it at that. I don't really know how to answer that. But, um, yeah, there you go. Do with it as you will. Um, I'm going to drop my plugs here. I made a little, little commercial for my plugs. I'm going to do it right now. 
as we transition. I got a few more questions. I'm going to stop rambling as much because I want this to be like an hour, hour and a half, and it's going to linger on. So sorry. <laughs> but shoot me, shoot me questions in the chat. I'll get to them. I'll get to those as well, as well as my little questions here. Um, and then we're going to do a silent prayer because I had someone request me walk through that with them. So, yeah, here we go. Hey, guys, I just want you to make sure to check out my blogs at seanvplanet.blogspot.com if you are one of those weirdo people who are into reading stuff these days. Also, my podcast feed is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. You can also donate to me through my Venmo and Cash App accounts, and the links and info for those are on seanvplanet.com. And send me letters, art, complaints, candles, and other cool shit to Sean Corey, P.O. Box 330-172, Nashville, Tennessee, 37203. Again, that's dot com. And S E A N C O R Y P O Box 330172, Nashville, Tennessee, 32203. All right. <laughs> All right. I got commercials, guys. I'm, I'm getting better at this stuff. I'm no longer boomer tech. I'm like upgraded to millennial tech with my, with, with my bullshit. And thanks, Blue, for tuning in. Um, I'm going to get to your question you sent me about the silent prayer, silent prayer in a little bit. Uh, but also ask me questions now in that chat. Um, the next question I want to get to is how to realistically share the Gospels with non-believers. And we kind of talked about this at first. Um, I think you just spread the truth. You spread the love. You do this whenever possible. You just talk it. You just keep it real. <laughs> You aren't ashamed of it. You say the truth and you spread God's logos and God's love at all times through your actions, through your faith and through your works. Um, thanks, James, chapter two. Um, but, yeah, you just you're confident and bold and with righteous masculinity or righteous femininity. You spread the truth, the logos, the love of God at all times through everything you do. And people will choose. They'll follow you. They'll see that you have light inside of you. And if they're ready to overcome the darkness inside of them, if they're ready to overcome and get rid of the suffering that's destroying their lives, they will seek you out and they will hear you out. Um, I think you can't force them to do that. I think you just have to be that lighthouse for them. You have to just be the light, be there, be a solid foundation, continue to just speak the truth, speak the love, and let people choose to seek you out. And many people won't. <laughs> the tough part is that your family and friends probably won't. But you have to just continue being the logos, continue being the love and the light and let people find you. And I think that's just the, the best way to share the Gospels. And just keep it real. You don't have to be wordy. You don't have to quote scripture all the time. Just say parables, say good things, say Christian things and Christian concepts to people at all times. Um, paraphrase what Jesus said to non-believers and they'll start seeing and feeling the truth in that. And then when they truly ask you like, where do you get that from? Be like, Oh yeah, it's from Luke. <laughs> oh yeah. That's like basically a parable from uh, Jesus. Do you want to hear about it? Do you want to hear more about it? Do you want to hear where I really got that from? 
but you can kind of do parables of Jesus's parables. Um, I think that was the beauty of Christ in his day was him using parables to convey very complex topics and subjects and very serious topics and subjects to like peasants and farmers <laughs> and tax collectors and stuff. Like he just found a way to speak their language and convey the truth of God, but in a very like simple and easy to understand way. And sometimes you just have to do that with people, people who aren't very smart, or maybe they're just so blinded by their sins, they're kind of blind to reality, or they can't grasp reality. You just have to kind of lay things out simply and easy for them to understand without just pulling out your Bible and quoting scripture out of, you know. But then when they start to ask questions, when they start to go, hey, man, like, that's really profound. Where'd you get that? And you're like, oh, like our Lord Jesus said that. Do you want to hear more about like the specifics? <laughs> do you want to hear the backstory? <laughs> I'd love to share it with you. So I think that's how you realistically share the Gospels with non-believers. Um, and yeah, so someone asked me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll just keep ranting all day if this continues. So I'll, <laughs> I'll start to like get quicker, I think, with some of these. But yeah, someone asked me where the church fails and what we should do about it. And I actually wrote a blog post about that. So I'll just tell you to go read my blog if you want to hear my thoughts on where the church in America today is failing or just where the church fails and what we should do about it. Um, you can find my post. Um, it's called The State of Our Church. And um, you can you can be found on seanvplanet.blogspot.com. And again, all my links are at linktr.ee slash seanvplanet. You can find the link there also to my blog. And I have a very well thought out explanation of what's going on with our church today and what we should do about it in response. So instead of talking again about it here for another 10 minutes, um, just go read that. It's good. It's good. And um, if you have questions or comments about it, shoot, <laughs> shoot me, shoot my PO box if you want, shoot my DMs, uh, hit me up on social media, uh, my Discord, my Twitter, my Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna be deleting Facebook soon. Um, I'm on Gab, if you're on Gab, Social Galactic, if you're a bear in the bear community, and um, Parler, I don't really use Parler, it's just a Masada operation, but uh, I'm on there, I guess, too, if you really need me, uh, find me there, and yeah, just read the blog, and you'll know my thoughts on where the church fails and what we should do about it, and yeah, I kind of covered that question, too. So someone asked me, who is my favorite saint and martyr and or martyr? And what are my thoughts on the Desert Fathers? So, yeah, I did a whole stream about the Desert Fathers. I read the read it. <laughs> it's not a fun read, but it's a very insightful and inspiring read. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. I can't recommend it enough. Um, the Sayings of the Desert Fathers. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. It's extremely inspiring. Um, it's really just a giant collection of quotes and sayings and stories from um, all of the martyrs and the monks in, you know, 200, 300 AD who were persecuted by the Roman Empire. A lot of these people just kind of went out into the deserts of Egypt and lived in caves and created little monasteries and little, like, roving tribes of uh, religious groups, religious little churches, and they're super based and they just get it. <laughs> they just try to live as Christ-like as possible. No possessions, no you know attachment to earthly possessions, 
living a life of constant prayer and constant logos and being in touch with God um, and just having that fire of the Holy Spirit inside of them. Very inspiring book. Uh, my favorite desert father is Anthony, Abba Anthony. I called Abba his father. Abba Anthony, um, who's kind of considered the father of all the monks, of all the desert fathers. He was, let me see here, I have it written down. Yeah, he was born a wealthy, he was born of wealthy parentage around the age of 18. His parents had both died. When he heard the words of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, if you wish to be perfect, go and sell your possession and give the money to the poor. Then come and follow me, which is awesome. It's an awesome passage in Matthew. Um, he promptly took his instructions seriously, sold all he had, gave it away, and retired to seek Jesus in the solitude of the desert. After a number of years, men and women began seeking out his counsel, and as a result, monastic communities sprung up around him. So yeah, he's kind of the father of um, all the desert fathers. <laughs> but I have two quotes here that are just awesome. Dude, I love Abba Anthony. Again, I can't recommend that book enough. It's just full of amazing quotes, inspiring quotes, and stories about these people who just get it. <laughs> they just get it. It's almost like prophetic. I mean... 1700 years ago, they were predicting what was happening today. And um, yeah, one of the most profound quotes is from Abba Anthony is sit in thy cell and thy cell will teach thee all. It's just amazing. It's true when you think about it. Sit in thy cell and thy cell will teach thee all. Bam. But my favorite quote, this is a super base quote from uh, Anthony. A time is coming when people will go mad, and when they see those who are not mad, they will then attack them, saying, you are mad. You are not like us. That's my favorite quote, and it's really, <laughs> it's awesome reading that in 2020. Again, I'll read it again. This is the quote of 2020, if you're a man of God. Um, again, from Abba Anthony. A time is coming when people will go mad. And when they see those who are not mad, they will attack them, saying, you are not, you are mad. You are not like us. Quote of 2020 right there. But yeah, separately than the Desert Fathers, again, can't recommend the book enough. But separately, my two favorite martyrs are the martyrs of my day, my namesake day or whatever, my birthday. Um, both are named Maximus. So Maximus, the confessor, um, who has just an awesome story of how he was convicted of heresy, or I'm sorry, he refused to um, commit heresy and was convicted to imprisonment and torture by the Byzantine Royal Court in like 1600, 16 or 1700. And he had his tongue cut out and his hand cut off and still just would not refuse to uh, denounce Christ in any way. It's the truth of his faith. Um, an insane imprisonment and torture and eventually died as a martyr for the cause. Um, Maximus is his name, Maximus the Confessor. And then Maximus the Greek separately was, I think, 1600, 15 or 1600. Um, he was a Greek who moved to Russia to convert uh, the folks out there to the faith and also to translate their religious texts for them. He was... Eventually, he was just like falsely accused of treason and imprisoned and tortured for decades. And eventually in his cell, he was being just, you know, tortured, imprisoned, fed horrible food, um, forced to confess, never would. 
um, to, you know, plotting against the ruler of the time. And he was eventually visited by angels and told to live boldly and strongly and courageously for Christ, even in his um, torture, even in his current state of being imprisoned and tortured. And eventually, after years, I think it was like decades, maybe 20, 30 years in prison, he just continued to hold the faith, be strong in his faith, be bold and courageous in doing what's right and living in God's right ways and trusting in the Lord confidently. And eventually was released and honored by a czar that eventually took power in Russia. And he was eventually praised and honored for it. And he died in old age and he's considered like an enlightener of Russia, one of the, one of the more prominent Russian um, religious minds. And it's just funny that both of them are named Maximus and both of them are the martyrs of my birthday. So as a result, I now have Maximus as he's my uh, cell phone screen cover. <laughs> and I might, I'm considering changing my name to Maximus. Uh, Maximus might be the name of my firstborn son. I don't know. It seems like a name that um, is, should be special to me. Also, just two awesome martyrs who died courageously for the faith and are very inspiring. Burning Tree in the chat says, if you spell parlor wrong, it takes you to a porno site. Goddamn grapplers. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. They can't help themselves, you know? They just can't help themselves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll get to the next question with silent prayer. Blue, thank you for tuning in. Blue asked me to do the silent prayer walkthrough. I'm going to do this at the end or near the end. But first, what is the Bible? Someone asked me, what is the Bible? And I had a concise thought about it. Um, so what is the Bible itself? Um, the Bible is a story of God's love for you. It begins as a collection of mistakes, errors, and our ancestors constantly missing the mark. And then it tells how our creator sent his only son to teach us how to finally live righteously before literally dying himself for all of our sins, all of our sins, all of us. <laughs> it is a guidebook of how to be born again and to overcome our brokenness and overcome the errors of this world and the wrongs of this world. It is one big explanation of our history, our ancestry, and just how much God loves us despite our wrongs, errors, stupidity, excuse me, and misdeeds. I got turd burps, guys. Sorry, I'm turd burping tonight. I keep saying tonight. <laughs> It is 11 in the morning. Um, but yeah, again, if just, I always just advise people if they've never read the Bible, if they're in the denial of the, of the Bible, I always advise you read Matthew first because Matthew is just a very great explanation of the whole story of Christ. Um, for a lot of non believers and first time readers, um, I almost advise skipping the first chapter because it's a confusing explanation of, of Christ's legacy and like lineage how Christ came through the bloodlines. And it's just kind of like a preamble <laughs> that isn't necessary if you're not a believer, if you haven't read the Old Testament before. But read Matthew first. Um, when it gets to Matthew 4, 5, 6, and 7, it's probably some of the most life-changing advice. Um, Jesus gives some of the most profound insights into the world and humans and God. And it's just amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. And then the rest of Matthew is just kind of a very concise explanation of his whole life and the events that happened in his life and his teachings here on earth. 
And I definitely advise next you read Luke. If you're not a believer, especially if you are a sinner, if you can't overcome your sins and you can't overcome the brokenness and the suffering inside of you, please read Luke. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the truly the thing that brought me to Christ was reading Luke for the first time. You'll know when you read it what I mean by that. And then I advise reading John because John truly explains who God is and what God's role is in you and in your life and um, just shows you the love and truth of God in so many ways. And then I also definitely advise you read Acts and um, it kind of just gets what you're supposed to do going forward. It kind of explains what you're supposed to do now after Christ and what our goal and purpose and meaning here is in this world, in this place at this time. So please read Matthew, Luke, John and Acts with an open mind and an open heart and just see how God works inside of you while you do that and how God works in your life afterwards. And if you do do that, please, I would love to hear about the changes. <laughs> and I doubt they are negative in any way at all. Uh, <laughs> read those four books and just see how much better your life will be and how much how much you change will happen for the better inside of you and in the world and in the environment around you um, immediately and forever. So read Matthew, Luke, John, and Acts, please. You can skip the Old Testament for now. Go back and read that later. But yeah, read those four books and see how much better your life is. Um, and we kind of covered this one. Someone said, any advice for young Christians in the 2020s? And I feel like we've covered that a lot. Um, just be an example, be a role model, speak the truth, be courageous, be strong, be close to God, know God's logos and God's love, and don't be afraid of sharing that. And if you need to paraphrase it to non-believers or people who just don't get it, do so. Um, just continue to be a good example, build, grow, embrace struggle, embrace hardships and work hard and, um, God will guide you. God will, God will guide you through the, uh, valley of the shadow of death towards his green pastures. And when you do that, when you truly are on that path with God, people will see it and they will follow you. Um, it just isn't clear right away sometimes, but, um, yeah, um, if you smell well, it's evening where I am, so it's fine of you to say tonight, Sean. Yeah, Blue is in the European Union. <laughs> She's in the Socialist Union of Europe. Uh, and John says, thanks for the stream. Yeah, I'm going to end with some plugs at the very end. But right now, yeah, I want to do the silent prayer that I do. It's a variation of... Jesse Lee Peterson's silent prayer. Um, it's basically the same thing. It's just, you know, I'll just say Jesse Lee Peterson does a thing called the silent prayer. Please, after you've seen me do this or after you have heard me out or tried it on your own, please look up silentprayer.video. It will take you to a direct video link of Jesse Lee Peterson's um, where he also just does a really good job explaining what to do. Um, it's also called Hezekiah's prayer. It's something I learned with the desert fathers as well. And just with like the Egyptian monks and the Orthodox church, they are into Hezekiah's prayer, which is an internal prayer, not a speech out loud. You're not saying things out loud. You're not, you're not preaching or speaking in public. What you're doing is internalizing and connecting with the Holy spirit within you, the Holy ghost that's inside of you, that fire inside of you. 
and you're having a direct line of communication with God. And there's no need for like a pastor or a preach to interrupt that. Um, pastor, preacher, pope, priest, bishop, cardinal, there's no man in between you and God. You just within yourself seek God and you and God build a relationship within you. And it takes time. It's hard to do at first, but Jesse Lee Peterson walks you through it very well. And I'm going to try to walk you through it the way I do it and the way I see it, which is kind of a variation of his. Now, I don't like to pray because I do do this. I do genuinely do a silent prayer every night and most mornings. Um, I do it at least once a day, if not twice a day for 10 minutes each time. I'm at the point where I've built myself up to doing it about 15 or 20 minutes, but I advise people when they first start to do about five or 10 minute long prayers. Um, and then you just kind of build into it. You grow into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, so if you want to do it with me, or if you just want to listen and do it on your own later, please feel free. I would love that. I would love for you to give this a shot. Maybe for like the next week or two after you start reading the Bible for the first time. Uh, Matthew, Luke, John. <laughs> yeah. After you read the Bible for the first time um, and give that a shot, I advise you to also, more importantly, um, seek God from within, pray to God and with God, and have him show you the way and the light and the truth within you um, without the need of a pope telling you how to believe or how to think or uh, listening to your words. So the way I do it, it's a little different than Jesse Lee Peterson, but again, silentprayer.video for Jesse Lee Peterson's version. Um, what I always do is I start with my hands out and down. Um, always out and down to start. And I'm repenting for everything I've done in the past, everything that I've done recently that's wrong, that's sinful, that's bad for me and bad for others, and just not helping spread and advance God's kingdom. I let it all go. It's an act of just releasing it all. Asking God to take it off your shoulders, take the burden and the pain off of your shoulders, repent for what you've done truly, um, humble yourselves before him and forgive, <laughs> forgive those who've done the same to you. Um, you can't repent and ask for forgiveness without being willing to let others in your life also repent and be forgiven for what they've done. So you have to learn to repent and forgive. And I do that eyes closed, conscious, calm, calm state, relaxed state. Sitting, I always sit upright on my bed while doing this. And you just let go of your emotions and you let go of fear. Just let it all go. And you do that for a few minutes. Just let it all go. And then when you're kind of done, when you feel like you're done, you turn your hands over and you can rest them on your lap or you can hold them up. But you need to just start truly by thanking God. You thank God for every day, for every moment, for all the experiences and just truly praise him. Just start feeling the love raining down on you. <laughs> after you have forgiven, after you've repented for what you've done, just start appreciating and loving God and asking for his love and for his truth to rain down onto you and being willing to receive it, the posture of receiving. And then what you need to do, just eyes closed again, focused on yourself and your internal being and your internal self. You need to enter into your prayer closet which is something you'll read about when you start reading the Bible. In uh, Matthew 6, he talks about internal prayer, the prayer closet. It doesn't mean going to a physical place, like into your closet in your apartment. <laughs> it means entering within yourself, entering into the prayer closet within yourself. Again, arms open, open in a posture of receiving. And just relax. 
Focus on your thoughts and let them all go. Ignore the thoughts, every single one of them. Reject the stress. Deny the temptations. Be still and know God. Our Father, our Creator. Be still, know God. Feel his voiceless voice within you, not the words of your brain. Again, feel the voiceless voice within you. Feel it. Feel the fire within you and not just the thoughts and the pictures and the words that pop into your brain. Let it all go. Let all that go. Of ourselves, we know nothing. And of ourselves, we can do nothing. Remind yourself of that. Of ourselves, we know nothing. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. The Holy Spirit inside of us knows us, knows our wants, our needs, our struggles. Trust in it. Trust in it. Not your words, not your ego, not your thoughts, not your memories. Trust in it, its guidance, and find God within. Let go, let go, and let God. His will be done. Learn to let it all go. Let it all happen. All of it. Everything and anything. Let it all happen. React afterwards. So while you're praying, while, <laughs> while you're in a posture of receiving, while you're just truly rejecting your thoughts, you're truly just entering your prayer closet in a relaxed, peaceful, blissful, <laughs> amazing, calm place, listen and watch the thoughts that come into your head like a movie. Be aware of them. Let them pass in and out of you, in one ear, out the other. Let them enter. Let them pass. Watch them like a movie. Do not give in to them. Reject yesterday and deny tomorrow. Live in the present. Live in the right now, in this moment. Be present in now. Be present right now, in this moment. Watch your thoughts. Reject them. Take a step back inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit work inside of you and just watch the thoughts. Watch what's coming into your head. Watch what all the temptations and the, the ego that's coming and entering and let it pass right through you. Watch them like a movie. You are not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. Be aware of them. Don't give in to them. And just do that. Just really everything I said, watch this video. Watch. I'm going to clip this and put it on my clips channel. Watch this again if you ever need me to explain this again. And also check out silentprayer.video because Jesse Lee will also do this. But watch us, listen to us do this, try it on your own, and eventually you'll just do this on your own. You will just enter into this state every night before you go to bed for about five or 10 minutes, and maybe also every morning when you wake up, five or 10 minutes. Repent, forgive, and then turn around and receive. Give thanks, give blessings, and then just listen to your thoughts, watch your thoughts, reject them, and just feel the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Be present in the now, be present in the moment currently. Reject all of the thoughts about yesterday, all the thoughts about tomorrow, everything that comes, let it come into your head and let it exit your head and focus on building that relationship up with God within you, the Holy Spirit within you. And when you close after five or 10 minutes at first, as you do this, you'll get better, you'll grow, you'll, you'll get into it. I'm about, at about like 15, 20 minutes myself right now. At the very end, you always want to remember to just give thanks to God. Truly remember that. Give thanks to God for every single moment he gives you. All of the good ones, the bad ones, the pleasure, the pain, all of it. 
anything that's exciting, anything that's boring, all the hardship, all the struggle, and all the rewards, and all the blessings. Be thankful to God for all of it. He's giving you it. He gave you everything you have. He will give you everything you will have. He's giving you this moment right now. Be appreciative to him. Be thankful for him. And do it internally, in your heart, in your soul, within you. That fire within you needs to be building a relationship, a direct line of communication with him. And in that, be thankful to him in every single moment. His plan and his will is good. It is righteous. Just trust it. (laughs) Trust it. Trust it. Trust it. Anything that's bad is temporary. Anything that's evil is temporary. All of the hardship, any fear, any doubt you have, all of it's temporary. Continue to trust. Continue to know that it's part of his plan and part of his will. Let his will be done. Let go and let God. And again, do all this for about five to ten minutes, silent, in your room, in your bed, standing upright, not asleep, (laughs) not drugged out, not drunk, not whatever. Calm, relaxed focused, focused on building that relationship with God within you, through the Holy Spirit within you, in your prayer closet, Um, not with your thoughts, not with your words out loud, not with, you know, not asking for things, not stressing over what happened yesterday, not stressing over what happened tomorrow. Just continue to build that relationship with God within you and all will be made right in time. And again, give thanks to God for every moment, every single moment, every day. Every moment you have been given, every moment you are in right now, and every moment you will be given in the future. Thank him for it all. And that's about it. So, yeah, I advise you do that for about five to ten minutes every night before you go to bed. And also in the morning. um, I do it most mornings, but I make sure to do it every single night for sure. And, um, yeah, give it a try. Also, if you haven't read the Bible, read Matthew, Luke, John, and Acts. Try doing the silent prayer, either my version or Jesse Lee Peterson's version. And after about a month, get back to me and let me know how much better your life is. Because uh, I guarantee your life will get better. Um, your life and your soul will get better. I guarantee it. And I'm going to wrap wrap things up there. I'll end with a little commercial thing uh, for my friend's channel. Um, go check them out, Mountain Folk. Um, it's at mtn.folk on Instagram. Check them out. They have awesome art. They are contributing to great causes. They're good people doing good things. So check them out. And they have a shop now with awesome gear. And the proceeds go to helping stop human trafficking and sex trafficking. So it's actually truly a good cause. Good people doing good things, making good products, cool things, doing cool, cool, awesome, fun, exciting things all the time, posting about it on their on their Instagram. So you'll constantly be getting beautiful, awesome, cool things popping up on your Instagram feed from them. So I can't advise following them enough. But also, um, if you want some cool, sick, slick merch, check them out. They have a new shop. And again, the proceeds actually go to an actually good cause. And it's mtnfolk.shop, mountainfolk.shop, mtnfolk.shop. Please check them out. Support them. At least give them a follow on Instagram. You won't regret it. Also, shout out to Rachel Vermeer. I think that's how it is. Vermeer. Vermeer. Um, I forget her bear name, but she writes beautiful handwritten letters. Um, She's written them to a lot of bears recently. But check her out um, also on Instagram at Rachel Vermeer Illustration. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-V-E-R-M-E-E-R-I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N. 
Rachel Vermeer illustration, and then the same thing. So rachelvermeer.com, rachelvermeerillustration.com for her art and for her, I think you can buy stuff on her website or there's links to buy some stuff, some of her art and some of her stuff. Really awesome person, really beautiful soul. Check her out, follow her. Also check out at Stone of Thors, at S-T-O-N-E-O-F-T-H-O-R-S on Twitter. And his YouTube channel is Berserker Bear, B-E-R-S-E-R-K-E-R-B-E-A-R. <laughs> A lot of the same letters they're repeating. But yes, um, Berserker Bear is always ladling some hot, delicious, piping, piping hot gravy on his YouTube channel about Tartaria and conspiracy theories and just his family life and stuff. Really good guy. Go check him out and support him. And also, um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to unauthorized.tv and support all of the awesome content creators there. Um, Owen Benjamin, Wrangler Star, Vox Day, um, I think it's Judy Greer, Professor Judy Greer. There's just a lot of really good people doing awesome things on that website. $5 a month. I think you can add more money if you want to support their cause a little more. But $5 a month gives you unlimited access to all of their stuff, their podcasts, their videos. Just really good people doing good things. Very helpful, knowledgeable, insightful things as well. Um, so check them out, unauthorized.tv. And you can follow Owen at Owen Comedy. Um, Coddington Bears running all of his social media sites and stuff. So anywhere you go, social media, at O-W-E-N-C-O-M-E-D-Y, Owen Comedy. And check out what they're doing also, which is the Great Bear Trail, which is connecting young, awesome, not necessarily young, but just productive, cool, logos-driven people in various countries around the world, but primarily in North America, connecting us all together and advising we just grow grow our wealth. Like I was saying earlier, our true wealth, grow true wealth, family, food, water, relationships. And they're kind of taking action, being bold about providing um, channels and trade routes to emphasize the last part of that, community and relationships, advocating for growing food, building up your homestead, um, building up your families as well, but just kind of focusing on becoming a good person and a better person and connecting people, like-minded people um, who have those same and similar goals together at The Great Bear Trail. So you can go to thegreatbeartrail.com and sign up. I think you have to apply because they aren't just letting anyone sign up. You have to kind of prove that you're a good person looking to do good things together with that community. But check it out if you are, if that applies to you, if you can check those boxes, thegreatbeartrail.com. And you can follow them on social media at Great Bear Trail. So check all that out. And thank you guys for tuning in and listening to me ramble today. I appreciate it. Blue, John, Burning Tree, um, Nom Vet. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for your service as well. Post Jazz, all my dudes showing up. Riot, Riot. Um, yeah, Cotton, everyone. Thank you guys for showing up. And have a great week going forward. Um, read your Bible, read Matthew, Luke, John, and Acts, and do the silent prayer and see how much better your life will be. And yeah, as always, guys, faith, loyalty, hope, do good, be good, love and be loved. And yeah, have a blessed week. I love you all. And thank you for letting me ramble and answer your questions. If you have more, 
um, send them to me, send them to my PO box and all that stuff. Yeah. Thanks guys. Again, have a great week. Most of my artwork comes from one of the homies named Timmy J. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at switchbacks. That's S W I T C H B A X. And check out Mountain Folk also on Instagram at mtn.folk and support the cause at mountainfolk.shop, mtnfolk.shop. This is not a paid advertisement at all. These guys are just doing cool shit and should be supported. Check them out. Hey guys, I just want you to make sure to check out my blogs at seanvplanet.blogspot.com if you are one of those weirdo people who are into reading stuff these days. Also, my podcast feed is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. You can also donate to me through my Venmo and Cash App accounts, and the links and info for those are on seanvplanet.com. And send me letters, art, Complaints, candles, and other cool shit to Sean Corey, P.O. Box 330-172, Nashville, Tennessee, 37203. Again, that's S-E-A-N-V-P-L-A-N-E-T.com and P.O. Box 330-172, Nashville, Tennessee, 37203.